Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast here with Benji. As always, for maybe the biggest season, off-season team preview, Ineos Grenadiers. 2022 team preview will recap quickly their 2021 season the ups and downs there their transfers in and out and then selecting their teams that we think they should send to the various races in 2022 and then of course some hot takes and predictions on their over under but benji 16 world tour wins including uh one two three, four, five World Tour stage races, one of which was the Giro d'Italia, but no World Tour wins after the middle of June when Carapaz won Tour de Suisse, Tour de France podium third, and then some a smattering of quite good performances in monuments, Moscon and Yates third in Lombardia. Where would you rate this season for Ineos? Because even though it looks really good compared to all, a lot of the other teams we've done, I still think it's a bit disappointing. I think it's very hard to rate Ineos because we don't know what their thoughts behind the scenes are. For example, in the past, they were the all-encompassing team for the Tour de France. If you come from that level, you're going to be disappointed with everything that's not winning the Tour de France from that point onwards. Now, we know that with the rise of Pogacar and Roglic, that it's less likely that they take that Tour de France as displayed in the last two years. And perhaps their view on what their most important races are, or if they need to win the Tour de France to be successful, has changed in the last two years. That's something we don't know. But in all honesty, if you win the Giro d'Italia, that's pretty crazy. And if you do it by, uh, I think, winning three stages along the way, right? Yes, Bernal, Bernal, and Filippo Ganna with the initial time trial and the last time trial, four stages. So that's good for the Giro for certain. That's a top Giro for a team, and um, they take that. Now, the rest of the races, they've got Pitcock bringing up uh, Bramon Sapel in our hearts, also winning Amstel Gold Race. And with the rest of the yeah. season, they've got, in all honesty, a pretty good to the Swiss with Carapaz taking that home. We've got Dauphiné. We've got all these, we call it Mickey Mouse races throughout the season, but preparation races without Slovenians, basically. That's what they took home with their teams pretty easily, in all honesty. And every time a Slovenian popped up, that's where they ended up doing worse than they probably hoped for. The Tour de France, for example, the Vuelta España. And I think those are still very important races for a, for a team like this. So I'd rate it at it's a good season, but it's not amazing like in the past. I don't think they're any closer to figuring out how to beat Pegasus yeah. or Roglic. Tirreno Adriatico, UAE Tour, Basque Country, the Tour that Benji mentioned, and the Vuelta España. They came up short, not just in terms of, okay, good tactics, but then the watts didn't work. But also, you know, you looked at Velefique in the Vuelta and other stages, they're just not sure they really are any closer to figuring out how to do that. And, yeah, as Ben, you said, Swiss and, and other races, not it's not like Torino level. Torino maybe the most competitive one week this year. That being said, it's all through the, the lens through which you look at this season. If you look at it, 50 million euro budget, 
if you don't win the tour, it's a boom or you know, it's a bust season. Yeah. It's going to be disappointing. If you look at it as a rebuilding year for Ineos, which I kind of think they're in the middle of a transition, I think it's incredibly encouraging when you think of the riders that have Pidcock was better than I even thought in the one day, in one day races. Carlos Rodriguez is starting to look good. And Gano was still obviously Gano world champ. They got to get credit at least like he's on their equipment. Uh, Ethan. That. And Ethan Hater as well. Like, Unbelievably good, looking like a uh, sort of mini Wout van Aert at the moment. And <laughs> yeah, he was incredibly good. And the, the question mark for him is uh, how he'll go on in the, in the mountains because he he had a very select schedule. But still, like how many races did he win this year, Ethan Hayter? Of course, not none at World Tour level, but he won nine races, including British National Champs ITT in in twenty twenty one. In all honesty, I think the biggest question is not how it will go in the mountains for me for him. Oh, really? I feel like right now what he can do is already so versatile across many disciplines that I'd rather see him do what he does on the dot .pro level already on World Tour. It doesn't need to be in the climbing yet. I just want to see him do hilly finishes. I, I want to see him do those kind of races first. Sure, it can end up being that he's also great in the mountains along the way, but kind of like when Wout van Aert joined the sport, he didn't start off by doing the mountains. He started off by doing the stuff he knew. And in World Tour, he did the same. And then he gradually fell into the mountain, uh, being decent at it as well. So I think Ethan Hader is great at those hilly finishes. He's great at basically all those kind of races. He's shown the promise that he can climb, but we haven't seen the initial part yet in World Tour. So I'd rather see that first before we see the climbing in World Tour. Another positive is Egan Bernal had the back injuries last year. We were like, oh, you know, you never know how this might might affect him. Pino's not come back from his back injury in the Tour 2020, but I won the Giro. So that's encouraging for them. And I think, looked his TT was really good at the Welter in the last stage as well. What about, Benji, how would you evaluate the Adam Yates move who came across from Bike or Michelin Scott in 2020, third at Lombardia, good in the Italian one days, no surprise there. Kind of through third in the Welter. I went and looked at the data again on that last stage 20. Very odd the way he rode that. One Catalonia, fourth at Basque, second, very strong at UAE, very, very good. Just the TT cost him against Pog. And yeah, just all around quite a good season. But yeah, I, th- I think it was really good. I was really high on his season. Yeah, I agree. It's a pretty good season. And you see that from the start of the season that he's he's one of the better uh, one-week races. We've said it enough of the entire peloton. And I wonder about his 2022 schedule, where we'll send him in a bit. But uh, we'll talk about that in a, in a second. But based on 2021, he is doing great in a Grand Tour that has limited time trial kilometers, to be honest. And in the last time trial, his time trial was honestly... Kind of worse than I expected. Yeah, it was. And I think what happened was he tried to do a Pagacha planche de Belfi and go out hard and freak out Haig by, you know, having a crazy T1. And that didn't happen. Uh, I, mean, I spoke to Haig about it. Haig was like, yeah, I knew he'd do that. And I just did knew if I did my power, then 30 seconds too much. Uh, I think the mistake was made by Yates on the stage before. But speaking of some other riders that have been on Ineos for longer than the Pidcocks and Yates of this world. Gagan Hart, I'm giving a bit of a pass. I think that Paranese concussion or he hit his head quite hard in a crash in Paranese, I think that sort of thing can affect the rest of your season. Uh, I'm interested to see. He had flashes of the Dauphiné, 
But obviously, he did not show anything near his level in the Giro of 2020 when he won. So that's a big question mark there. Otherwise, Benji Kwiatkowski, I think he just took another step. Just to, like, you know how Sagan just lost like 0.5% gradually each year? I think that's happening with yeah. Kwiatkowski at the moment. And I yeah. think clearly Pidcox and Hayter are the men in one days, and he should work for them, in my opinion. Yeah, I think. Uh... I agree, although it depends on the races. Because we're talking about classics, then I would definitely say Pickcock is the man. But if you look at an MSR, I would dare to say I'd I'd put Ethan Hater as a as a free element next to it. Because I believe that he can get far in that race as well, you know? Other riders, Danny uh Danny Martinez, great in the Giro, then got COVID, and I think that sort of affected the rest of his season. And Burgos, like even there, he, he starting Burgos in August after, or and San Sebastian, he just wasn't right. So he's another question mark. Hope he comes back okay. Dylan Van Baal was their, probably their best cobbled rider. Uh, or he won one Dwarves Duel of Lander in a solo. He was good. Thomas kept crashing. He crashed like this, – this is Grant Thomas' season. It's so hard to know whether he's – what his level is, whether he's the same yeah. as 2018, 2019. He crashed in Romandy. Which wasn't too bad. He crashed in the Dauphiné. Tour de France crashed and took out Helsinki. Olympics crashed, and then he got that was his season pretty much done. He got sent to Benelux. I remember listening to his podcast. He wasn't uh, didn't sound too enthused about being sent to Benelux tour. Um, <laughs> so I have no idea. His level was quite was, was fine. Like I think on long steady climbs to altitude in cold conditions, yeah. he's still really really good. TT though, Benji, that was the mixed bag that was weird. Uh, well, not weird, just Imola great, but that Dauphiné TT was not good. Yeah, but I think that Dauphiné TT was uh, kind of a special one where everyone except for Astana just miscalculated the gradients on that final uphill section, and they all kind of imploded on the last section. So I wouldn't see that time trial as the indicator for everybody, really. So I'd see that as an exception more than the standard, even even for uh, Thomas here. We've got two other young riders who are big touted signings. So De Plus, I think he's coming back this year, but he was injured or sick or took some time off the bike as well. Big question marks over him. I presume he got a pretty big contract coming over from Yumba after that 2019 TDF. Sivakov, though, did come back and look good in the welter. So he's looking good, but still definitely hasn't shown his root docs at any sort of crazy power yeah. as of last year. Do you want to get into the transfers, Benji, or any, any other thoughts on their 2021 season or like overperformers, underperformers, uh, or, or just weird things that you thought happened throughout the season? Uh, not necessarily weird things. I, I just look forward to dissecting which riders would be sent to which races because this year, Ghana was focusing mainly on his track aspect, which was not the thing, in, which will not be the thing in 2022 mainly. Obviously, uh, the hour record is hanging around somewhere and will be uh, done at some point in the year, most likely by him. But in all honesty, I'm curious what Grand Tour is going to. Is he going to skip the Giro for the Tour de France? Stuff like that. So we'll discuss that after the transfers. But uh, hey, transfers, let's get started. Okay, going out, the Rowan Dennis experiment has ended. And again, he didn't do a Grand Tour this year, despite his pull in the Giro last year. I'm not sure not sure what happened there. But anyway, it's off to Jumbo Visma. And whether they'll miss him or not, I'm not sure. Leonardo Basso goes with Moscon to Astana. So Moscon nearly won Paris Bay and was uh, 
sort of the last man or second last man to launch Bernal on hilltop finishes in the Giro. So he's a very valuable rider. Golash retired. Duel's gone to EF, so no big losses for those two. And now to Astana as well. I'm not sure that's too big of a deal. And Sosa to Movistar. Sosa won Tour de la Provence and then went missing for the rest of the season. He's <laughs> he's not contributed in I'm not I'm not just trying to write like in terms of will they miss him? No. Like they want to win Grand Tours. He has not shown any ability to contribute in Grand Tours. So no, I think the biggest miss there is Moscon Benji, actually, because he's just so versatile. Yeah, I agree. He was uh, very strong in the Giro, helped on that uh, Campo Felice climb a lot for Bernal, that crazy explosion that he did when Bernal then did another explosion just after that to the line and won the stage. I think Moscon was also very helpful on the Montalcino stage, for example. He did uh, some crazy stuff trying to follow Nibali and obviously the queen of descents, Vincenzo Nibali, unable to uh, follow that man and ended up crashing. So that's a bummer. But I think I like that he's leaving because I want Moscon to have a freedom at some point in his career because he's been chained up like Kwiatkowski at Ineos for a while. And I believe he can do some stuff uh, in Grand Tours as well that he hasn't been able to do at Ineos here. So perhaps it's a miss for Ineos quite certain, but it's a win, I think, for Moscon to be leaving. So we'll see the the very obvious replacement who doesn't have the one-day or classics upside of Moscon but can provide similar support in hilly terrain in Grand Tours and stage races is Omar Freyla, so a swap from Astana. Uh, him for Moscon, probably on less money, one would think, the 31-year-old Basque rider. He was good this year in, in a lot of races, to be honest, impacting, say, Paris-Nice Stage 8. I remember when Roberts crashed, if I'm not misremembering, it was he and Louis Leon and co pacing like madmen for Vlasov in the valley. He, in Basque Country, set up Aaron Baru or helped set him up for his win on Stage 2. And then I think he was part of that raid on the descent yep. on Stage 6. So he's just a useful rider to have around, Benji, and I think he'll be I don't know which Grand Tour, I haven't figured out which one he'll go to, but yeah, I, th- I think that's their thinking, that he's the Moscon replacement and pairing with Narvaez sort of rider. I think that's a good take. I believe that Freyle was often seen by many when this transfer was announced as an odd transfer for Ineos because he's a breakaway rider, stuff like that. But I think he fits perfectly as a domestique as well. He's got the uh, climbing ability and the ability of doing so over hills, very versatile in that aspect. And therefore, I think that he can fill that role perfectly. He crashed in the Velta, if I recall, pretty early on. So that Velta is not really a representative of his form of the season. So looking at the Tour de France and so forth, he's able to get over some pretty decent climbs. And in all honesty, I think he's going to be a a good domestique for the team. I'm just kind of sad that he's not going to be as free as he was. But I guess that's the the price a rider pays when signing up for Ineos as a domestique. Another signing which was, makes a lot of sense, Ben Tullett coming from Alperson, 20 years old, and showed some really good flashes. I mean, any climber that does well in Alperson, I'm just of the view that they must be quite good and he's really young, <laughs> British as well. This is from, from Seven Oaks, which, yeah, played a lot of cricket down there. Anyway, he notable results like 14 at Fournardesh, 12th at Flesh, 17th at Amstel, 8th at Coppa Agostini, and as I said, very young, ninth GC at Tour de Polonia. Healy races, Ardennes, can't wait to see him because, you know, they got to fill eight slots or eight, eight team positions, and I think he's good enough already to contribute uh, there. That's a great Certainly. signing. 
Well, first of all, Tullard, I also believe that he's a great signing. Also, the guy's like 20. We've got to keep repeating that. That's crazy how he's been able to top 20, the likes of an Amstel, Fledge Wallon, and so forth, and also at that age. So if he's able to progress throughout the next three years on a decent amount of progress, then this guy could end up being very prominent in the likes of an Amstel in the very far future, very near future, sorry. And um, I think... The one thing I haven't seen him do is like domestique role. So I'm curious if he can fold into that in other races because uh, that's something I haven't seen. But I think no he attacked in Lombardia at a certain point. What, sorry? He had no one to domestique fool. <laughs> that's true. Jay Vine, mate. Jay Vine. Zandra <laughs> Murasa. Uh, when it comes to Kim Hajduk, he's a bit of a. That's odd. To me, it's odd. It's an odd transfer, but. He's the kind of a Dane Cole-like rider, like being able to get over classic Bergs, but having a bit of a kick at the end of a sprint. But he's not the best at both the classics and the sprint, so combining it can get him relatively far, but doing it separately isn't shining it for me. What's your take on his level at the moment, and is it worthy to be on Ineos in your eyes? I think he's not as good as the Van Dyke brothers, uh, if you're looking at that sort of cluster of classicsy sprinty guys, Degenkolb future guys. He he looks like a Christian Knees project who's on in your staff, German, twenty one years old, as Benji Benji already described his profile. He had good result, like one German under twenty threes, second in sprints to the riders uh, to Martin Vandenberg, who I also think is better than him, it looks like at the moment. Um Dutch rider going to EF. So he's obviously good. It's just it's just an odd signing for Ineos. Like, yeah. you'd expect this guy to be going to DSM or Bora uh, rather than uh, on a two-year deal at Ineos. Like, is do, it, they, do they think he can contribute now at World Tour level? I'm not sure, but perhaps it's combined with another signing in their team. We see that Viviani's joining Ineos. Uh, uh, you yes. think that Haiduk could be part of a lead-out for Viviani at some point? That's a good point because who's going to be the lead out for Viviani? 32, just came back to Ineos on a three-year deal, which I think includes, I think they like the, the fact that they have riders that go for gold at the Olympics. And I, I remember the press release mentioned something about this is to do with the Paris Olympics in 24. The, the, that's why the three-year deal makes sense for Viviani, obviously track rider at the Olympics. He, Covetis wasn't good. Like two-year deal there, they paid him a lot of money. Yeah. Didn't get the results, uh, even for like 18 months at 1-1 sort of level. And he did have, he's already had three years at Sky from 15 through uh, 17, 2015 to 2017. And he got good results, pretty good results, like Giro stage, uh, some other World Tour stages, Cyclistics Hamburg. So maybe that's what they're thinking, Benji. They want to send him to... And I was looking through, they didn't even go to Eschborn, Frankfurt. They want to send him to these sort of one-day races, which there's two German ones like that. And Heiduk, as you said, would be the natural lead-out man for him. But I have – the Viviani signing, I don't, I don't know. It's just – it's odd to me. <laughs> Do you think it's part of – like looking at the transfers that Ineos has been doing recently and the way that the team is kind of digging into other disciplines, could it be part of the fact that he's a track person – and is pretty prominent. It was it the points race, I think, that Viviani ended up winning uh, in the last World Championships. The likes of uh, Ben Turner being a uh, a cyclocross rider that is also joining the team. Pitcock being a, a cyclocross rider. Uh, we've got Worth, who's triathlon. Like, perhaps they're 
digging into other disciplines and trying to get more image there for Ineos. That's a good point. Yeah, like they're trying to be a complete cycling team and cover all cycling events. Maybe they'll sign a BMX rider soon. I don't know, but the that's a good point about Viviani. I also think Italian. I think Ghana's a huge, huge part of their team now, and all the success. Whilst they've not been successful winning the tour the last two years, mm-hmm. they've been winning world championships with Ghana. So yeah, Ghana's pretty important, and he won it at Tokyo. So I think. Ghana's been – I think Ghana has a lot of respect for Viviani and it was very, very, very happy that they uh, signed him and pushed for his signing. Other ones, Benji, Benji already mentioned Ben Turner. He looks like a domestique for Pidcock, 22, big guy. You see him in the cyclocross races uh, just behind Pidcock recently, two-year deal on the same cycle as Pidcock till the end of 2023. That's, so that makes perfect sense to me. I think it's a fine signing. And Magnus Sheffield, who you might remember from the 2019 Yorkshire World Championships, did a huge effort as a domestique in the men's junior world uh, road race for Quinn Simmons and ended up still coming third. He's still only 19, and he was on rally. I think he's huge engine, um, and they're just they're just getting these guys that are about six foot five eleven to six one, weigh about seventy kilos to seventy three kilos, and they can just drop some road weight and they're all like mini Grant Thomases or that, that's I think what they're trying to do with <laughs> Plapp, the next one as well, like Lucas Plapp, Benji, who doesn't have any road results in Europe at all except for World Championships ITT in the men's juniors behind Remco in 2018. So that put him on everyone's radar and then the U23 World Champs came second this year, 10 seconds behind Johan Price Pedersen on that flat course, which is, you know, I think a pretty good result given that Plap is a year old, a little bit younger than, uh, I think 18 months or more younger than JPP, which, what, what do you think they're doing with these, with the Plap and Sheffield signing Benjis? Is it just hoping one of them turns into a GC guy? Well, I think with Plap, it seems more likely than with Sheffield, to be honest, based on the races they've ridden so far. I feel like Sheffield is the more, uh, uh, the tank that you, have riding all the time while Plap seems to be more the guy that can also punch significantly on the likes of that uh, uh, Willinga Hill that we saw. Now, his Italian classics weren't that amazing, but I'm not going to expect that to be very representative of his future season, most likely. So I guess we'll see more from these riders throughout the next season and then be able to judge what they can do on a world tour level and what they can achieve in the future. Because right now it's a bit of a, a vague image that we have. Now, a signing that is not on the list here is... Uh, They've got a new uh, race engineer, Dan Bigham, and uh, it's not a very uh, standard signing, is it? Yeah, so I think he's so Dan Bigham is. You might have remembered him from the he had an hour record attempt, an unofficial by UCI standards hour record attempt, but he did, it broke. He broke the British hour record set by Wiggins uh, at the end of 2021. He is an engineer. He runs Watt Shop. Um, he's been. You might remember him from the Who What Bike Track team and he's been on Ribble Pro Cycling Conti team in Britain and yeah he's he's I think I don't know what he thinks of himself whether he's engineer or, or rider first I, I think of him as engineer first and he rides to almost test his theories and he's second in the British National Champs ITT but the big one was he came 16th in World's ITT in front of Mikkel Berg <laughs> 211 by Ghana um, and I don't know how many hours he does throughout the year but he does not do as many hours on the bike as the first 15 guys so is he 
He's not actually riding for them in World Tour races, though. Is that correct? So basically, it's a very intricate schema that they've got. He won't be riding for World Tour races with Ineos, but he will be training on the training camps and get the same kit and bikes, for example. And he will be riding races like Nationals and so forth as a privateer, while the Commonwealth Games and the Euros and the Worlds and so forth, more from for England or JB. Uh, GB? JB. Um, and then... I think he can also ride the Crono de Nation and so forth, also for the for the country. So I'm not 100% certain about that one. And uh, the hour record, I'm guessing that that's going to be based on Ineos then? Because, like, I don't know. It's, it sounds like they're going to support his him trying to break the hour record, and then after that he has to help Ghana set an unbeatable hour record forever. Um, but... <laughs> We already saw this was sort of leaked by Bernal maybe three, four weeks ago. Bernal's yeah. putting Bigham in his Instagram stories, showing him working on them in the in the velodrome. So you'd think with this guy worked with the Danish track team. I did a little bit of work for Jumbo, but I think they mostly work with Bert Blocken uh, yeah. at Eindhoven. He, I'm interested to see what setup Bernal's on and see whether he can go even faster or Yates and Co. Because yeah, the TT. TT is where Yates missed out on third in the Vuelta. Uh, but otherwise, Benji, I think I think that's an interesting signing and it's someone we really want to get on the pod as well, I think, to to talk about what is a unique deal in, in yeah. cycling. I commend Ineos, Ineos for it. Uh, but, yeah, any other thoughts on last thoughts on their transfers, Benji? You, the, what, what, the rider we haven't mentioned, Almeida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think – are you surprised you didn't end up there um, – given his profile, because they haven't signed anyone that can beat Pog or Rog or really help in that regard, in my view, apart from Freyla this year. Yeah, I'm about 90% certain that I read something that Almeida said he did get an offer from Ineos uh, at some kind of a press event where someone in my Discord chat ended up talking to him about what offers he got. So if that story is true, and he did indeed get an offer from Ineos in that aspect, then uh, he chose UAE. And if he chose UAE, it could be because of the money. We don't know that. But I think that Almeida probably thought to himself, UAE, we've got one guy that's leading the team in Grand Tours. That's Pogacar. Ineos, we've got 27 guys that can lead a team (laughs) in a Grand Tour. I've probably got more of a chance to lead a Grand Tour at UAE. (laughs) So I think that's how the choice was made. I think it's probably probably that, but also length of deal. He signed till the end of 2026. Yeah. I, I don't think any else would have, even if the money per year for the first three years was the same, I don't think they would have given him a, a five yeah. year. So, yeah, but that being said, they probably were like, you know what? We're good. We're not going to, we don't think Almeida can beat Pogo Rog in 2022. So, we think we have riders who can be then competing that we can develop in 2024, 25, 26. Why overpay for Almeida when we've got these guys we're developing like Carlos Rodriguez? Do they think they'll know better than we do that he could be progressing quite well? Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not that surprised Ineos didn't submit a godfather offer for him. Uh, they kind of sh- jumped the gun with a rider like Duplus a bit earlier, you know, in 2019. But anyway. Picking their teams, this is one of the hardest teams to do this for, picking their teams for the races in 2022. The Classics team is a little bit easier. 
because uh, they're not as stacked. I think it's Dylan Van Baal, Ben Turner. I think Thomas said he might be doing a couple of them. Luke Rowe, Thomas Pidcock as leader, Kwiatkowski, and yeah, that's about it. Narvaez, Narvaez as well, Narvaez as well. Um, and Viviani for Gen him, Benji? Yeah, perhaps. I think that I'm mainly looking at the likes of uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Pitcock, of course, for the uh for the Cobble Classics as leader. And if you look at the likes of Gen Wevelgem, then Viviani could pop in. But Viviani has been close, I think, to Gen Wevelgem before. But is he gonna do that again? His confidence days don't shine that. His quick step days shine that. So if he can get back to the quick step days, then yes. Otherwise, it's just not a thing for me. And if it's not a thing that Pitcock has to attack on the likes of a Camelberger early on in those races, try and get a bit of a group away and try and win in that reduced bunch. And that is possible, I think, at some point. But then again, Van Aert will be there and so forth. So the sprinters will be there. Nizolo can survive those climbs. So I think Hedwigham will be hard for this team to win personally. Um, I think if we divide the Cobble Classics and we look at Milano San Remo separately, then I think Ethan Hate ran Pitcock Audi two leaders. Is that also your take or? What's your opinion? Yeah, MSR, definitely those two. And yeah, I think the question I don't know is who's quicker in a bunch sprint and reduced bunch sprint. Now, Pidcock third at Kerner, Brussels, Kerner in a, in a sprint. He, Hazer probably on paper looks faster, but Pidcock's very aerodynamic in a sprint, like kind of like Ewan, obviously not as fast as Ewan and Cavendish, but he's very aerodynamic. Hey, maybe he's better at positioning, better handling. I don't know. And so I honestly don't know which of those two they should go go for. Uh, Pidcock, I think, is a bit punchier over the climb. Uh, but Question. Yes. From the Italian media, can Ghana win Milano Sanremo? Because they announce him as the leader for uh, Ineos every single year for Milano Sanremo. So do you believe that is uh, somewhat true? I don't know. It's he, he did an incredible pull, and it's why I think Ewan has a lot to thank for Filippo Ghana setting that steady but very hard pace with the huge draft. Ewan was three wheels behind him on the Poggio this year. It's, it's a monster pull, but how does he get away? Is the he needs I don't to get away at some point? And yeah, I don't see it. Yeah, it's not there for me. So uh, Hill Classics, uh, I think it's very similar. The question is then, how do you make sure that Pitcock doesn't do too many Cobble Classics? Uh, because we want them to be in top form for the Hill Classics as well, because I do argue that Amstel Gold Race is one that he'll win for a second time this year. <laughs> and uh, Brabant Sapel, those kind of classics. I do think that, I don't know, LBL? I would argue it's probably not too hard, but I see him more of a rider for the likes of uh, Amstel, or do you think that LBL is also fitting for Pitcock? Yeah, Peacock should be leader at LBL as well. But I, I think he should skip Omloop and Kerner. He's doing all the cyclocross stuff. They've got Viviani and Hater. Send those two to the early classics. Then bring Pidcock in for RVV and the Ardennes is, is my view or a few other yeah. a few other cl- uh, cobble classics like maybe, yeah, E3 as well, obviously. But he, I think he should skip the early two. Otherwise, is at risk of overloading himself. He's also got the Giro to contend with that he's going to. So, yeah, they got options like Hader and Viviani for those early ones. Ardennes, yeah, I think Pidcock is the man. Uh, Pidcock, Tullet, yeah. Sheffield maybe, Ben Swift. Got a boss to be decued. Carapaz. Carapaz as well is good. 
uh, in those races. But he, yeah, he's preparing for the Giro as well. Yeah. Gagan Hart was good in LBL. I think Gagan Hart will go. And Jonathan Narvaez, maybe in Simon Kwiatkowski, of course, of course will go. Um, but I think Pidcock's, what about Hater though, Benji? Like Hater's supposed to be, isn't he perfect for Amstel as well? I'd argue yes, but I think if you put Pidcock and Hater in every single race, then at a certain point you're going to have an issue with who's going to ride for who after the rider that just got away. And <laughs> I'm not sure I'm able to make that decision. <laughs> we're, we're about to get to the the big, the curious thing to me is their Giro team. It's kind of been announced <laughs> in dribs and drabs. Stage one, we've already mentioned many times, uphill finish like the Torino Ad- Adriatico finished the Alaphilippe one to Cusdino in stage two last year. They're sending both Pidcock and Hater. It's the most <laughs> odd double up. I, I don't. I don't understand. It's like when I was thinking. style. <laughs> yeah, they try and get points. Like uh, Now, the problem is Ghana, they also, Ghana I don't think is going to the Giro. So, sorry, this isn't the team we're picking, but this is what we've heard. Ghana I don't think will be going. So, if they want to take the Malia Rosa after stage two with Almeida doing the Giro, I don't know where Pidcock's TT is. Hater's TT is already cracked. So, I think his TT is good for Pidcock. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, but good enough to keep the Malia. That's the, I mean, that's the question. Like, Depends on how many minutes he can take on the three-kilometer climb on stage one, man. <laughs> well, exactly. The, the time gaps <laughs> will be very, very small. So I'm like, who do they go? They go for the guy who's got the better TT the next day. So he doesn't lose. I, I, I don't know. Do they just have both go? As Benji said, Intermarche style. Very, very odd. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, but- and next to that, like, Karapaz is likely announced as one of the two people that could be leading that team for GC there. And in all honesty, we've seen Karapaz win a similar stage into the Polonia a few years ago, right? <laughs> yes. Well, Karapaz <laughs> has declared himself leader. He put, okay. up on, he put up on Instagram, thanks for Ineos, I'm the leader. Asserting uh, dominance. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a good thing. He should because Richie, Port, so Richie Port's going apparently as well. He wants to close the circle because he, when he was on, I think his breakout race was at the Giro in like 20... A long time ago for Saxo, um, maybe twenty eleven. He wore the Rosa. Yeah, a long time ago. Um, he's doing this year apparently in a free roll. So we saw Port in a free roll at the Tour de France, and it wasn't very helpful for Carapaz. What's the point? I, I don't know. It's so odd to me. It's Carapaz just gets sold, Benji, every time. Yeah. Like, are you? I I think Carapaz is going to be like. He has a. He's probably going to be the favourite, and he won't have that much support. I don't think. Yeah, because like we're seeing announced that Viviani's going to go for the sprints in this race as well. So, really? if you combine all that in one team, who's who's he going to have left? I don't think. I bet they won't even send Castro Viejo and Martinez to this race. Well, Martinez got to do Tour de France high altitude with Bernal. So yeah, I wouldn't send Martinez to this race. There's no high altitude yeah. this year in Italia. Like, what's he going to get? Puccio, Narvaez, De Plus, Viviani, Pidcock, Hater, Port. Jesus wept. Like, <laughs> Amador. It's so who, sad. Amador, who didn't do a Grand Tour this year, who's 35 and sort of dropped off a bit. Is this where know. you put in Freiler? <sighs> to be honest, I'd send Gagan Hart. 
as a domestic and a backup a backup option. I'd do what they did with him in Giro 2020. I'd send Gagan Hart. I think he'd be fine. Um, and I think he can do a really good job and even keep yeah. himself close. Because Port, I just, I just don't. Maybe he'll prove us wrong. Maybe Port will win a stage and also be an incredible domestique. Maybe, but what what team would you actually send? Because this is not the, the the spirit of this segment, Benji. Is the team we would send to the Giro? Yes, fuck the this <laughs> is the list that they make. I think I would skip this Giro with Ghana um, because the Tour de France has a better time trial setup on stage one, and this one does not. And therefore, I would not uh, go for Ghana on this one personally. Sure, he can get close enough on stage one and still take it on stage two, but I think I would deliver this one to the likes of a Pitcock or Hafer as well. Now, I find it really difficult to choose between the two. I think because if you only send one, then it would be Pitcock for me because Hater would be having his first Grand Tour and usually that would be the Vuelta, most likely, for a young rider. Now, I do believe that Hater can already ride in the Giro, so that's the opposing thought to it. So... I actually don't mind that they signed both of them. I just don't have a clue who's prioritized over who at all for that stage one. And I'm glad I'm not having to make the decision for that. So uh, good luck with that. But when it comes to sport, I would definitely put Carapaz as leader. I would not put Port as a free element role. Yes, he can be there, but then as a domestique role for the leader and as secondary option. Although I feel like while the parkour does fit Port in the climbs, I think that he's a better time trial list than the majority of people that are going to be lining up for this race, right? Yeah, definitely. Like Lander's going to be Lander's going to be like second favorite for this. I think I would send Gegenhart. I'd send Ganna for two stages and then after he loses the Mali Rosa, he can go home. I'd send Sivakov, <laughs> Sivakov, Ben Tullet, Ben Swift, uh, Castroviejo, Dunbar, Gegenhart, Pidcock. No hater, and uh, give Carapaz a decent team. I think if he had the likes of Castroviejo, Dunbar, Gagan, Hart, Swift, that would be that'd be really good. But yeah, I don't think he will. Um, anyway, something I'm uh, looking at, and that's something I feel like is being overlooked a bit, is that if you look at Adam Yates and we see in the one week races that he rides, he he's doing great in the ones that half climbs like this Giro has, the ones yep. without huge altitude and so forth. Are we overlooking Adam Yates as an option for GC in this race? Well, that's the thing, Benji, because, yeah, Tour de France, like, it's it's going to be Bernal time, one would think, and I don't think they want to pair Yates and Bernal again. And then, as you said, 20 to 27, 30, you know, 20 to 30-minute climbs, Adam Yates, absolute killer, same as his brother, Simon Yates, um, particularly on on his day this year, like, you've got Chibot her feet, so... Not that many time trial kilometers. It does suit him. The question is: Is he as good in the cold and cold and rainy conditions? I don't. I think he's a little bit better in Tour de France and Vuelta generally. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I think Simon Yates will certainly be there. Not that they're the same rider. But then <laughs> I don't. Carapaz and, and and Yates would be a really good attacking combo, Benji. Yeah, I agree, because if you look at the comparison with the Vuelta where we saw Bernal and Yates, that compatibility wasn't there. Bernal was the rider that needs that steady tempo, while Adam Yates was always giving those spiky attacks. But I feel like Carapaz is indeed a better fit, although it depends on his form. If he's in Vuelta form, then it's not looking likely. But if it's in a Vuelta 2020 form, then 
I do feel like it fits. And remember, this is Carapaz. So although he's been told his schedule in December, um, Ineos might just change it on him depending if Grant Thomas is out. He wants says he wants to do the Giro three weeks before. They'll say Richard, sorry, oh no, Billy. They changed his name when Port came back. They say Carapaz, sorry, you're going to be domestique with two weeks' notice for the others in the Tour de France, despite probably being the best GC rider on Ineos. But anyway, that's the Giro team. Tour de France team, Benji, got the high altitude. Bernal's going back. Clearly, they hope Danny Martinez will be there. I've already sent Castro to the Giro, but why not send him to the Tour as well? He did it this year, and that's why he was so valuable. Uh, By the way, I didn't harp on that, but Eddie Dunbar, please send him to the Giro. The guy was good in Tour de Suisse for Carapaz. Send him to the Giro. But yeah, Tour de France, Bernal, Castro Viejo, Luke Rowe, Carlos Rodriguez, I'm high on him. Benji's higher on him. Now now I get confused, Benji, with obviously the Dylan Van Baal is the easy pick, but Grant Thomas, like, he probably will go. He's good at long, steady climbs, but is it a co-leader in the press and a domestique in reality? I'd say so. I um I would definitely put Thomas in the Tour de France, uh, mainly because I trust his cobbles enough on the cobble stage. He's kind of right. that special type of rider because he crashes a lot, but still is great at cobbles. So with other riders, that's usually because the technique is not there that they're not great at cobbles either. But with Thomas, that's not really the case, but because like he can cobble pretty well. So I feel like with that cobble stage in mind, then with the fact that it's those longer, steady climbs in this parkour, there's no Pimari, for example on this uh on this parkour that's where thomas fits in and he should be a domestique in my eyes yes if bernal crashes out in week one he can be a a backup leader because he's likely not gonna have lost uh five minutes in the first week anyway so that's an option but i think that at the start he should be uh in the press for the uk media be uh considered a leader but in reality a domestique because bernal's a a better chance at winning the Tour de france i think although it's not a high chance in my eyes it's still a better chance than with Garen Thomas. Yeah, and it depends as well on Martinez, who's got a good TT, but his condition. Kvyatkovsky will also likely almost 100% go. Freyla will go, one would think, and Ghana will be targeting that first stage TT and then be a domestique at the Tour de France um, as well. So it's a pretty good team. Garen Thomas, Van Baal, Kvyatkovsky, Martinez and Sivakov maybe are interchangeable or depending on their condition and, and Bernal is a leader eat with those stages. I think it's a fine team and I think there's going to be opportunities in this in the first week of next year, certainly against Roglic Benji, to be trying to put him under pressure in some uh in some unfamiliar parkour. Although cobble stage previously, not not huge gaps. But yeah, you they're not going to be the top two favourites going into the tour again. Yes, certainly, because, well, we've got two Slovenians running up for the party. But but you, you mentioned Carlos Rodriguez for the Tour de France, right? Yeah, I'd probably take I wouldn't. Back. I'd probably take it back, to be honest. I'm if running. I had to choose a Spaniard to replace, I might put in Freyle. Yeah. Um, we've got one of those, uh, or one and a half of those chaotic stages that Freyle could be a, an essential part in. And um, I think that would be helpful, because those are the stages, like we mentioned, that the... Uh, to the France Stage 7 Preparation uh, Podcast of 2021. Those are the chaotic stages where Bernal can make a difference he, because those are the ones that are based on tactical and surprises and not necessarily on watts per kilogram up a climb, for example. So that's where I see the differences happening and the benefit of not necessarily Ineos because the other teams will be prepared for that as well, but 
I think that Ineos is better at those chaotic stages in total, a stronger team for that than Pogacar's team is. If Geraint Thomas actually wants to be a leader and get a podium result at a Grand Tour, I think the Vuelta is the one. They have the TTT. There's another long TT. Yes, there is one savage rampas in Humana stage. The Prades one, 15-minute climb, but you should only lose 30 to 45 seconds on that to a, an Adam Yates okay. type or a Pogacar or Roglic. There's mostly steady shallow gradient climbs to finish this and some not pure mountaintop finishes in the Vuelta. Like I said with Dumo, if he wants to be a leader, that's where he should go. Carapaz. With Carapaz. Eh. Giro Vuelta double. True. Carapaz at Vuelta. Uh, I'd put Carlos Rodriguez in uh, in the Vuelta personally uh, because it's his first Grand Tour, so that's the, uh, the least important one. I would dare to say for Ineos, I think the Giro and the Tour de France are the more important ones, despite the Giro uh, start list uh, friends of Carapaz not looking too enticing yet. I, um, I'd put Rodriguez in that in that Vuelta, certainly. I, uh, I'm wondering about the Tour de France still. If you've got Thomas and you've got Bernal, and if you say that Thomas is there, and if you say in the media that he's leader, for example, would you keep him with Bernal on the cobble stage, or would you split them up and try and put pressure with Thomas on the others at the risk of Bernal losing time? Um, it depends. If Bernal doesn't lose... If, if Thomas is in a group with Roglic or Pagacha and Bernal's dropped, he should not work, clearly. Yeah. Um, if if Thomas is just clear, Tegan, you go for gold. Go do your thing. Um, as long as Bernal's back in the group with Kwiatkowski or somebody. So I think that's okay. But yeah, the, the Vuelta go with... Hitchcock, maybe, or Italian classics. But yeah, Carlos Rodriguez, Sivakov was good. Viviani will probably be doing like Eshbourne type races instead. And yeah, Tullet? Castro. Tullet? Did he do a Grand Tour this year? Oh, I actually don't know. No, he didn't. He just did a lot of lot of stage races that they did. On, uh, yeah, sure. Send Tullet. Why not? Let's just send Narvaez <laughs> and all the, all the young riders to, to the Vuelta. Um and maybe Carapaz can can go again for another podium. But yeah, it's they got a lot of opportunities, Benji, to take jerseys, given the time trials and the TTCs at the start of Grand Tours. So I expect Ineos to be in jerseys, uh, well, Ghana to be wearing jerseys at the start of at least the Tour de France. But do you think what's more important this year? Is it developing or seeing Sivakov and De Plus and Plap and, and Sheffield and all those riders Hater taking a next step. That's kind of more important for whether they can win the tour in 24 to 26 than, I don't know, Geraint Thomas being a little bit better and winning a one week world tour stage race. Yeah, that's certainly. But if we compare the all enlarging goal, I think that the balance is necessary. I think that we got to see results in the kind of a Giro. I feel like they need to try and win the Giro because if they fail the Tour de France and don't win the Giro, then their season is fucked. Yeah, they need exactly. to win at least one Grand Tour per season. And I think the Giro is the easiest option for Ineos to do so. And they're making it very hard for Carapaz to do so. <laughs> but uh, in all honesty, I think that's that's what they need to do. Just win the Giro, make sure you've got that backup goal ready and settled before you venture into the bigger things. And meanwhile, Pitcock could rack, uh, rack up a surprising winning or not even a surprising win a proper win at a at a classic and who knows he might be competing for the victory in an rvv for example stuff like that so 
that growth will come this year already, while the growth of a Sheffield and Platt will come in the coming years, most likely. So I think their focus should be Pickock for classics, Hater for the initial World Tour gains, his first World Tour wins, perhaps at a better level than we are all, all expecting. I would love him to win a World Tour race and a Grand Tour stage, for example, already. But uh, I think the Giro is the one that they need to make sure they certainly have because the Tour is going to be much more difficult to win. Exactly, and yeah, I, I still think Bernal's got a... Uh, the same thing last year, though, Ben. In 2020, they took all their World Tour wins just about across Terreno and the Giro. They had the Tour de France stage win, obviously, but... Um, yeah, they don't they don't win that many stages because I guess they don't. Oh no, they changed names, so PCS is playing up on me. Ignore what I said, sort of. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to set their I'm trying to set their over under uh, to see how many world they actually won a fair amount of World Tour races for what they what they normally win. Um, let's let's pick like when was when was Team Sky still at their heyday? In 2018, they won 21 World Tour races, but that was with Tour of Guangxi, so they had a decent amount this year still, like uh, six yeah, World Tour wins. I'm setting it at 15, Benji. It's your over-under. I think it's got to be over. I'm taking the under. under fi- uh, no, sorry, 15 and a half, 15 and a half. So you're taking the over on 15 and a half? Uh, I think over. Okay, I'm taking the under on 15 and a half for Ineos, but I think they will have... I think Pidcock wins a monument, easy, cleans a monument, no problem for him. Easy Second Amstel. Yep. I think he wins, yeah, he wins a monument. I think Carapaz wins Giro. That's not even a hot take. He's literally my favorite. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think Lander probably wins Giro. Um, I think Bernal wins the Tour, Benji. Jesus fucking Christ. I think he I didn't wins. See that one coming. Yeah. I don't I don't. I don't think so. I don't actually think he wins, but I have a hot take that he will win. So, yeah, match that. <laughs> okay, I will match that. I think Ethan Hader wins Milano Sanremo. I don't see it. I think Peacock outsprints him. So, yeah. What else? Do you think? Uh, do you think Richie Port or Grant Thomas win a World Tour race, like a stage race, whatever? You think they win anything? I think they win a Mickey Mouse World Tour race. Yes. <laughs> fair enough what about i think obviously Ghana is odds on to take take jerseys um i don't think viviani wins a race <laughs> well i think viviani will win a race i don't think he'll win a race at at Ineos. um no I don't, I don't think so i don't see it i don't think yeah oh yeah i was i forgot my hot take for the season come on have you forgotten too Carlos Rodriguez to podium. Carlos Rodriguez to podium the Vuelta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one's just auto filled. All right, I reckon we've got some pretty yeah. hot ones. So we've got. Yeah, no shit. You've got Bernal winning the tour. <laughs> Bernal's winning the tour. Peacock's winning a monument. Benji has Hayter winning MSR. I got Viviani. I got Viviani, Thomas, and Port winless. <laughs> <laughs> and Benji's got Rodriguez podium in the Vuelta. I don't want to hear anything further from the listeners about. These takes oh, aren't enough. Your takes aren't hot enough, okay? <laughs> well, they need to be somewhat realistic. Otherwise, <laughs> a year later, you're going to be reviewed the hot takes and then we look back at our takes and we're like, well, those weren't realistic in the first place. <laughs> Mate, you said you said Cavendish would win a world tour race. That was not realistic. It happened. 
Yeah, it wasn't realistic. <laughs> I think Dunbar also spring. I think he's going to be the best domestique for Carabas. Please send him the Shiro. Please send him Mars the Shiro. Um, but otherwise, yeah, that, that's the Ineos, Ineos preview. I think their their biggest concern is not doing well enough that Ratcliffe loses interest in in the cycling project. Um, I don't think that's too likely to happen. They got. As you can see, they got more money than anyone else. They bring specialists and experts on, like Dan Bigham on board. I can't wait to see what they do in the TT. Well, whether they take a step change, we're saying they've got more money than everyone else. But we look at UAE, and I feel like every single time Pogacar wins a race, his contract is doubled. So by the end of this year, he might have like a fifty million contract on him own. <laughs> yeah, paying paying Pogacar six million is better than paying. Gagan Hart, Thomas, and and all these other riders, you know, one point five or or two or whatever it is in the case of Thomas, and, and adding up. So yeah, like, would you rather have Pagacha Benny for six mil or Grant Thomas, uh, Lawrence De Plus, Gagan Hart, and Viviani? Like, the answer. If I've pretty, got the Ineos budget, I'd rather even spend ten mil on on Pogacar <laughs> and spend yeah. the fourteen mil on like domestiques and then fill up the rest of the squad with people from Conti to make sure that I need to pay them minimum so I can have just one team to win the Tour de France and the rest can just have fun in other races. I know. And that's sort of, it's unrealistic though, because at the end of the day, it's still a British team. They have yeah. probably the biggest, at least from the English speaking world that we we live in and inhabit on Twitter, etc. They have the biggest fan base and it's nice to say, oh, well, why not just get Pogaccio? But at the end of the day, you have they have to sign the, the biggest British talents, which there are a lot of at the moment. Hayter, Pitcock, Gagan Hart, Tullet, Tullet, Tullet etc. Adam Yates. So let's see what they can do. Um, who do you think, last section, Benji, Carapaz, this, this is something we don't do for every team, but there's some riders out of contract, this sort of part of hot takes. Port, Adam Yates, Carapaz, Van Baal, Danny Martinez, Hayter apparently, Dunbar, Narvaez, Worth, and uh, Bernal's, Best friend Brandon Rivera, who nearly crashed out Yates in UAE tour, they're out of contract. Who's leaving? Port's retiring. Yes, that's I think he's gone. Oh, where to though? That's a very difficult well, question. This is, what, this, is why, this is why we roasted Bora. I think he needs to leave because, like, he's getting he's getting mingled with Z tier teams to to try and win a Grand Tour, and then they're surprised that he can't win a Grand Tour. No shit, you you. It's not going to work like that. So, yeah, I think he's leaving, but... He's going to EF. Uran's retiring. Carapaz to EF. I think that's a very good call, actually. Because um, EF won't re-sign Martinez again, so I think Martinez will likely stay if Carapaz leaves. Uh, Ethan Hater will stay, in my opinion, because Ineos. Adam Yates and Richie Port. Richie Port retiring, but Adam Yates... I'm not I so sure. I don't know. I wouldn't yeah. resign him. You wouldn't resign him. I think the him. season was good, but I wouldn't resign him. He kind of is surplus to requirements, isn't he? And he's not. Yeah. He he's, he's not helping you win the tour unless his TT with Bigham, you know, goes crazy. So Worth can go. He's not worth it. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Dunbar, I think, has to leave for his own sake. If yeah. I was Dunbar, I would leave, but hopefully get a good performance in this year to boost your own stock. Brandon Rivera, he's just, he's Bernal's roommate, whatever. Advice to Bahrain. That's a good call. Um, to replace Baden. 
<laughs> not not the same rider at all, but at least they were in the lead of a Giro stage together. So that's the common uh, denominator. So who, where would Adam Yates go? I don't know. Canyon, Conti team? <laughs> nah, in, on a serious note, I think Adam Yates would be... What team would Adam Yates fit at? I have no idea. <laughs> I've got no clue either, actually. This is a guy that can top three, I think, one week racer in the world. So, like, any team would be... Yeah, certainly. ...would be great for Trek. Trek's like Afredo desperately need something <laughs> in GC. Like, so Trek should, with Nibley off the books, should have sprung for Yates. The problem, this is the thing, Benji, this is why I roasted Bora so much. Bora could see, look at all these, you know, Yates and Carapaz coming off the books and maybe if Danny Martinez, like, he's still, if he comes back as well, they're coming off the books in Ineos, so they're up for renewal or, or could leave. And Bora just, maybe they got more budget, but they spent it on Hinley, Vlasov, and Igita and... Um, yeah, you're right. Who else? Yeah, like, Rudd is not as good as Carapaz, so... Lotto Sudel doesn't have the money for it, so that's not happening. Yeah, but I think, and Carapaz to EF, book it here. But yeah, that's, uh, they've still got the core of, what about Thomas has still got, he did a two-year extension with Ineos. So, yeah. yeah, and then to his real startup nation. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, though, they, they're the people that, wouldn't you have rather not signed Fulsang and then signed Adam Yates if you're ISN? Well, Adam, I would have signed Thomas instead of Fulsang. Right, I mean... That's kind of true, to be honest. Like, I would, yeah, I agree with but that. Perhaps they're not very happy about riders who have left Ineos and went to Eisen <laughs> in the last few years. British 35 year olds from Ineos said it's like, nah, we've, we've tried that one. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're 0 for 1. <laughs> we're not doing it again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, really interesting to see what Ineos year is like, uh, whether there's Pavla, Carapaz, Bernal, and Yates, and Thomas, and Gagenhart all fit together. As Benji said a couple of times on the pod, UAE got Pog, but then to, if you're a second-tier GC guy, there's more opportunities there, and it's, it is hard to be a leader at Ineos in certain races, the big ones. Hope you enjoyed the preview. Like the video down below if you did, if you're watching on YouTube. Make sure to give us a review on podcast players. Five stars, but with a roast is our favorite sort of reviews. And uh, we let us know what you think will be Ineos Grenadiers' season, whether it will be Tour de France disappointment once again, albeit third at the Tour for Carapaz was quite good. But until the next one, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 